it looks like we have enough people to keep going. So I want to hear from you. What learnings do you take from your group? Matt's got his cat out. The cat's ready to hear all what you've um, talked about. So let's start group one. Who do we have from group one to speak? I think that was like Jeremy, Jim, Jimmy, Peter, Pierre. <clears throat> yeah. Hey guys, I'll, I'll start us off then. Um, so I guess some highlights from our cust- our conversation about uh, customer engagement. Um, see, a couple of the, the themes it seemed like is customer engagement issues or problems more so with SMB or smaller customers rather than larger customers. Uh, it just is with larger customers, tends to be more of a need, more of a partnership, and they, they tend to be more responsive to any outreach and to desire to work together to achieve common goals and, and common success. So I think that that was the theme. And then secondly, with smaller customers, uh, a couple of us, Jeremy and I in particular, we have uh, we support software that's, that's more episodic or there's more of a periodic recurring need for it, but it's not day by day, week by week, every single month sometimes even, which makes it even trickier and, and more difficult. So we, we just talked about a number of the automated touch points as well as hopefully live touch points that, that we try to engineer, but also mentioned one of the more comments was that Certainly, we feel this at, at my company um, with our smaller customer segments. Some of the CSMs feel more like BDRs, where they're actually just trying to get customers to interact more, engage more, <clears throat> so that we can verify they're healthy and they're on track for renewals, on track for growth if there's growth potential. And, but we're we're sending emails, we're making calls, we're trying to be compelling. But again, it, it looks more like a BDR role in some cases where we're kind of asking or pleading for, for people just to, our customers to just to get back in contact. And it's not, it's not very fun, frankly, to, to do that when, you know, you think you're a qualified CSM in our case with some specific industry expertise usually, and instead you're just trying to, to get customers re-engaged. Again, that's on the smaller side with, with bigger ones. It's not much of an issue, but those were some of the themes that, that we talked about. Peter, was there anything that came up as an example that worked well for SMB when there's a lot of noise, customers have a lot of different priorities that as an engagement tactic was working? Yeah, one of the things that that we talked about was like basically communicating if, if we can't get a customer on a call live, which at least periodically we always want to do to get back in touch to make sure that decision makers verify they're getting value, they're achieving their goals, they're on track for renewals. If we can't get that, then try to encapsulate that in an email and particularly um, with like ROI types of metrics that, that hopefully will be the most impactful and be the most compelling for them to learn. So if you can package up some of the material that you might have covered in a call, if you simply are not getting responses, if you can package that up in a compelling way, deliver that by email rather than um, in a live conversation, that can be a really good tool. Although one of the other points was just sheer email deliverability sometimes is is questionable too, depending on um, industry and depending on who the contacts are. But that that was one thing that uh, I know we're doing, uh, Jeremy and some other groups are doing as well. Peter added to Peter's thing, Jimmy from our group was talking about personalization, right? He, He was running into issues of, no responses, dismal response rates to stuff, and then started trying, 
you know, very personalized approach, right? Using real estate software, um, real estate software. So, you know, very personalized based on region, based on real estate markets for where those people live. And, um, you know, he didn't have an exact percentage, right? But was able to, you know, he saw a significant increase, um, you know, as he, you know, focused, narrowed his list of who he was reaching out to, but also got really specific on, you know, exactly what it is that he was sending to those people. I think that's kind of, you know, we all understand, you know, personalization, but also scalability. But, you know, I think he's, you know, he has living proof that personalization does work if you're trying to drive engagement, especially with, you know, partners and um, these smaller customers. So, uh, but Peter, great job on our recap. Real quick, I want to add a a concept to that. in my in my work, I've used a lot of automation, even in high touch engagements. And one of the things that I talk about is meaningful ambiguity. And uh, so I'm saying things to to people even at scale. Um, and of course, you do need to create you know your your groups, your cohorts of people. But being able to say things that they might say, ah, this seems like a very human you know outreach to me. And uh, you know I'll go and respond to that rather than the antiquated formalized email with, you know, pretty borders and, you know, uh, really typed out well, sometimes even making a mistake. It's a very human thing to make a a simple typing mistake. And those types of things have actually driven response rates up. I love that, Josh. One of my favorite things actually um, is when I go to reply as if I'm talking to a person, I realize I'm replying not to a person. I'm like, ah, they got me. They've done such a good job making me feel like this is a personal relationship. So <laughs> and I don't mind it because that means they're doing things at scale. Um, Jeff, go ahead. Sorry, just, um, one thought I keep thinking about as you were talking earlier, Peter, and um, and what you, what you mentioned, Jeremy, is um, I'm trying to steal, at least in my role right now, I'm trying to steal something from our uh, marketing friends just about how they think about uh, creating like a an engagement score. So during, throughout the, when you're in the pipeline, right, you're engaging with content, you're increasing your score, you're kind of building up this adoption or engagement score uh, that's happening that they then kind of put you in a certain bucket and then they give you more content or not, right? So um, we're trying to adopt something. So the thing I keep thinking about a lot is we're building out a structure here at Higher Logic where we're trying to understand um, the types of interactions we're having with customers, we're putting them in specific buckets, and then we're trying to measure a contacts engagement. And so, if we have five buckets of, or five different types of engagements that we're trying to to review, we're now looking at okay, where are they engaging and where are they not? And then we're trying to double down on where they're engaging. So, if they're really popular and they love to go to the community, but they're not responding to a CSM to have an in-person call. That might be fine. That might be a red flag. But how do we get them into the community more? How do we get them easier access? How do we get them more information? So that's one way that we're just trying to think about this conundrum too. Is like, how do you make sure and look at how they're how they're engaging and where they're engaging as a mechanism to to drive future engagement? Great. Let's keep it going. Group two. That was Matt. Matt jumped off. So Madeline, are you able to jump in here? Sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about was uh, aligning on a, a tech stack and a process across departments as early as possible. Um, so uh, Matt had a great point and, and Josh as well, that oftentimes you see 
um, the, the playbook and the customer journey is different on a sales team than the support team, than the success team, right? So aligning on a cohesive playbook across teams and investing in a tech stack as early as possible, understanding how those systems interact is really critical to creating a cohesive customer experience, but also setting your teams up for success. I really like the discussion around success planning and the account planning and how you really need to be aligning that. And that's obviously very obvious, but I was sharing how I joined this new company, 8,000 customers, there's 50 people plus alone in CS. How do you make sure behaviors? And one of the key things is that top-down alignment, making sure then documentations going and shared across teams. That's something that can be very gnarly depending how complex your product is and how large your company. So I thought there were a lot of good ideas from this team there. All right, group three. Yeah, sure, I could take that. So yeah, we were discussing all of our different scenarios uh, that we have. And you know, Emily brought up a really good point in our group to be on a team of teams and to understand that throughout all the different teams that there's different horizontals within those and the squads within those horizontals that can go about um, and really drive that approach to the customers, but always taking all the different perspectives from each of the teams and saying, hi, I'm a representative from all that to go out and advocate for customers. But also, you know, really, we had also discussed, uh, you know, typical uh, just making sure that a bespoke onboarding process uh, is taken about to understand that, okay, we've onboarded, we've got a complete onboarding, we've then entered implementation, uh, we've entered training, we've entered implementation, then we have a successful handoff to CS. And then once it goes to CS to have those checkpoints, uh, one, to understand that the customer knows what they're doing with the product, they know how to engage with the product, and they know how to take the value that they've brought to their sales teams or that they spoke about with their sales teams, that they're able to go about and achieving that and having different cadences set up uh, for being able to achieve that. Um, also, another great, great point, and I think that everybody should jump on and try and steal this from Paul, uh, is having Zoom social mixers to get out with your customers, have a Zoom session, you know, Get in person where you can, but for scalability, go out, have a Zoom session, send the bottle of wine, send their favorite drinks, send their favorite snack, just get together and just have a ball, have a blast, just get to know them. You know, look at all of our different backgrounds here today, be it fake, be it not, and just learn something about the person here today. Do the same thing for your customers. They'll love the snack, they'll love the, they'll love the human that's been presented before them. Uh, and Usually when people are drinking or when people are enjoying themselves, they let things go that they may not normally do. <laughs> An awesome idea that I think that we should all steal. And this would not be anything if we didn't cap it off with what Pam said, that we all need to go ahead and change our title. We must all be customer success coaches. Just on the drink, on the drink idea, um, Madeline's husband 
uh, has a really great thing. Madeline, you got to you got to pipe up and, and tell them about what your husband leads or has led for your company. Yeah, thanks, Jan. My husband's a career bartender and was unemployed, of course, during all of COVID. And so he was leading um, make a cocktail from the ingredients of your fridge classes with our customers nice. and they loved it. And it was great because it got it kept him busy, too. Um, but we have a global customer base. So we were doing it at all hours of the day. We did one at like 7 a.m. for us. <laughs> like it was it was <laughs> <laughs> that wow, is amazing. Awesome. Props to your husband, Madeline. It's yeah, happy hour somewhere. Here. <laughs> Madeline, drop contact yeah. info or website in yeah. so people can hit up the, the company. Will do. It's always happy hour somewhere. Mm-hmm. Andrew, your bar's gone. <laughs> My bar's just moved. <laughs> That's all. It's not, ne- it's not next to me anymore. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. If um you've seen Andrew before, he had a had a bar next to him in his in his uh Zoom man cave. Area. my man cave. Man cave, that's it. Yes. All right, let's keep going. Um Jim Gonzalez, thanks for the call. Jim's my former colleague. So we'll see you. Thank you for being a part of this. Um let's keep going. Group five. Or four. Four. I'm I missed the counting. Group four. I think that was, uh, yeah, I think that was us. Uh, I was in, so I'll go ahead and kind of step up. Uh, it turns out we actually had a, um, a large coffee connection. Uh, there was a bunch, uh, a good group of us who really liked coffee and that really led into our, um, our icebreaker stories. Um, we found that kind of a consensus that we would we would go the extra mile, uh, whether it be literally, literally or figuratively, to a coffee shop that really gave great customer uh, engagement for that. So on a retail level, um, that was that was really uh, impactful. Uh, some some kind of items that really, uh, in particular, that drew us to that. Uh, when the people remember our names or make an effort to remember our names on repeat visits, uh, just being extra, extra support, uh, supportive when we ordered or rather than just doing with like a sour face and all. And, uh, when there was a, actually one was at a restaurant, not a coffee place, but, uh, you know, having something like, uh, having a big party, seeing some big party come in big table, just knowing it's going to be a real, uh, real burden for the server, when the server is just delightful throughout the whole experience, uh, I think one one of the one of the servers even asked the birthday boy for their autograph, kind of treat him like a little celebrity there, and just really made the experience uh, all that much better. And that kind of um, while it's, while it's probably different from an enterprise um, type of a customer engagement experience, it's still very relative. Uh, you want to you know, make the customer feel like they're you're very welcome, uh, kind of get them out in your personal, find out what they like. Uh, in that. And uh, we even have a, if I can kind of give it up a little bit uh, for Mike, Mike actually uh, op- uh, had opened up a coffee roasting place himself and founded one, uh, worked there for about three and a half years. And so uh, we had a, we had a coffee maker who actually uh, was telling us a little bit about it as we were going. And he says that the, um, if I can kind of, kind of speak for him for a sec, uh, that they put a very much of a, um, uh, emphasis on um, on treating the customer that way uh, to help you know bring back uh, customers. I don't remember exactly what the right quote was, Mike. I was trying to write it down fast, um, but it was really very very customer centric. Um, 
And uh, he, had a, he had a nice anecdote about a, a shoe company experience uh, when they engaged with him on something simple like a return. Um, so that was really good. Um, we talked also about uh, uh, in I think about the theme about coordinating customer engagement activities. We had a um, on the enterprise level, people who like the QBRs. Uh, for the most part, they were pretty good about that. Although there uh, occasionally might be one that wants one every single month, uh, but those probably more more the exception than the rule. Um, Manoj had a really good idea for what they do. I'm going to kind of uh, give it up for him. If, if, he's, if he's still, are you still on there, Manoj? Yeah, I'm still here, and you can go ahead and give it up. <laughs> oh, okay. So they had a really fun thing, which uh, which I want to try when I get the opportunity. But they had a onboarding parties uh, for their customers. So if they completed the 30, 60, and 90 day milestones uh, uh, within that time, they threw an onboarding party for their customer. Uh, sent them a lot of swag. Just had a real social thing for them. It's like a real nice kind of um, you know kind of great part of the. Uh, Part of the onboarding experience so I thought was really good. This is great examples. Carl, thank you so much for sharing um, these. And I definitely think social is key. I think everyone is starved for social opportunities. Rupal, come on in. I was going to say, I couldn't share in the team um, team thing when we were having the breakout session is one of the things that we do in the organization. We are an uh, AI solution. So we actually have chatbots. So we celebrate the chatbot's birthday and the customers actually celebrate their birthday. And it's a big deal. So, so that's that's a fun that. way to get people engaged and be part of the brand and feel like you know they're part of it. And the bots obviously have names; they get to design personalities around it. So it's it's pretty fun. It's the chatbot's birthday. Yep, yep. <laughs> Does the chatbot like have like a personality and a name? Yes, it has a personality. They have names that are characteristics to, to the chatbot. So the customers actually are in the process. They help define the character and the experience that the end users uh, want to have. Um, and once they actually go live, that's the day that it's their birthday. And then we celebrate it every year when it comes around saying, hey, it's Janet's birthday. It's Mike's birthday. <laughs> yeah. If anyone posts a summary, you're going to have to share your chatbot name. If you were a chatbot, what would your <laughs> name, name be? There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that All example. Right. I was going to say, yeah, I love I that example, Rupal. Um, we, so we feel like a, a really big moment of value for our customers is when they, after they launch a community, they spend so much time during that launch, but like, and you're, once you get that first organic person to actually post in your community, there's like when the, you feel like, oh my gosh, I've made it. Somebody's actually come to my community and posted. And so we celebrate that as like a really big, oh my gosh, you have your first organic post. Like somebody came in and is engaging yeah. with you. Um, and then we try and do that every single year. Um, and we try and, and then celebrate it for the, the community builder. So we just recently, somebody had their first year community anniversary and we figured out he really likes beer. So we sent him a six pack of beer um, and it was just like a little nice, uh, you know, happy moment. But I love that example. These are great. All right, we got two groups. Let's let's speed round it. Um, who's group five? Um, I, I was, I, I guess I'll take that one. Um, so a lot of the stuff we were, uh, talking about has already been covered. I mean, a lot of it um, to make sure that the, um, is to make sure that the customer feels like uh, the communication is all um, customized for them, but it's also um, everyone that's going in and communicating with the customer is, is uh, I think uh, like Jeff put it, um, it's all in one place. So everyone can know 
um, whether it's a leadership reach out or whether it's marketing or whether it's sales or whether it's CS, we had we have all of that communication in the same place. And that, that really takes a lot of planning beforehand, um, putting those playbooks together and, and an agreement from the team, both first informally and then more formally, uh, just uh, making sure that everyone knows who, who's the main point of contact, um, who is uh, who's going through it. So we spent a little bit of time talking about that and, and have it, making sure that there's some technology in place where everything can be put in one place. Um, uh, and then just building that communication plan, uh, again, customer success plan, uh, communication plan that uh, goes across. Um, the one thing, and basically the customer should feel like it's a personalized uh, uh experience whether it is or it's not um one thing that uh, i think rupal said uh was that key moments uh of truth shouldn't be automated um so so we kind of discussed that a little bit and and um ways to make that uh make even more of a big deal about it but even at scale models i think we were doing using gainsight at one point to uh send out congratulations when they hit key milestones. So just making sure that, that, you know, they, they know we're paying attention, we're watching them. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of where we uh, got to. Um. Well, that's great. Um, one of my favorite that is key milestones, and I'm sure you've heard me before, if you've been on a call, Grammarly has some great names they call you when you hit different writing milestones and their metrics are awesome. Um, so just so if you need an example of where a template goes really well and talks about your individual experience, I feel like they've customized in a, in a really strong way. Um, all right, group six, let's close it out. I think all right, was I got Oh, we have too many groups. Oh, maybe it go wasn't ahead. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Go ahead. <laughs> All good. Um, I got nominated for my group, whatever number it was. Um, there are uh, two things I want to call out. One was um, we got to talking about um, in a sort of like mid to low touch world, but not digital touch, um, where a CSM is owning like 60 customers or something, you have to be really selective about how you spend your sort of magic hour with them that they get, you know, once a year or once a quarter or whatever it is. Um, and so being really thoughtful about the things where you can have the biggest difference and are the, the lowest hanging fruit for one hour conversation that are going to turn into multiple other hour long conversations. Um, that was uh, that was one thing we talked about. Another thing we talked about um, was especially for um, so continuing on the thread of of uh, in a lower touch world. How do you give people access to the kind of thought leadership and particularly like one on one type thought leadership, um, uh, uh, whether that is from a what I mean is whether that's from a published resource or from um, networking with people, talking with people, um, that ability to access some sort of thing that in some way feels like community um, can be really powerful, um, especially for those SMB customers. Um, I took that moment in a small group and I'll take it here to uh, plug the Gengar Retain podcast. I've been um, devouring episode after episode from uh, interviews with people who lead communities. Um, so if you're more interested in that, that it, there's lots of good content there too. So those are summaries from my group. Thanks, Seth. Yes, go to the Gangra Retain podcast community, all of that. Let's make sure to, to plug in and get some insights there. Chandler, two sentences. <laughs> Perfect. I would say one thing is 
Yes. Look at look internally at how you align processes and how you how you incent buy-in across the organizations and the operations teams that need to support your customer success efforts. And how do you ingrain specific incentives into their own responsibilities that drive your your goals? That's that's it. Thank you so much, everyone. You have been amazing. Really quick, Jeff has posted in the chat um, an opportunity for you to share ideas for other topics. Please jump in here. We want the content to be fresh. We want this to be meaningful and a good use of your time. So share your ideas. Um, I know that they're always looking for hosts. So if you want to be someone just like me, please raise your hand. We need more people and delightful to spend time with you. Thank you for your time this morning. Have an awesome day. Good luck with your customers. Good luck with your team. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.